Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. Welcome to the Overcoming Emotional Overeating podcast. In our episode today, talk about hunger and fullness and the delineations between each one of them, because so many of us have problems really deciding when we're hungry, which gives us the inability to stop when we're full. Take a listen. What we're going to be covering tonight, I'm so excited to share with you. And it's a topic I've been covering for so many years of my career, and it's probably a topic I actually never really anticipated covering in my clinical paradigm that I've worked in. We're here tonight to talk about hunger and fullness, and it's, it's such an intriguing topic to me. It's something, as I began in the profession 20 plus years ago um, that there wasn't a whole lot written on. And over the last 20 plus years, I've seen more and more and more research and scientific data on um, the issue with hunger and fullness and the hunger and fullness mechanism and and what we know, uh, different parameters of people's lives um, and physiology do for that. So tonight I hope to bring some of that to you all and help you understand how to tap into your hunger and fullness maybe why your hunger and fullness isn't present, um, and, and then, you know, some things that you can do with that. Uh, I want to start tonight's topic off with a great quote from Malcolm Gladwell. And what he says is, practice isn't the thing you do once you're good. It's the thing you do that makes you good. The reason why I wanted to use that quote at the beginning of tonight's topic is because as people I've worked with over the last 20 years have told me, you know, I just feel like I should know how to do this. I just should know how to get hungry or stop when I'm full. And what I know is that a lot of people have lost the ability to feel full or potentially even to feel hunger. And so in restarting the relearning process, it's imperative that you understand that it's practice. Practicing and learning as you grow and achieve and get back this physiological piece for you. For years, I work with clients struggling with hunger and fullness patterns. And so often I've heard things like, you know, I don't know when I'm full, so I can't stop. Or it just tastes so good, I can't stop eating it. Or I never let myself get hungry. I'm afraid that if I get too hungry, I'll binge, so I just graze all day long. Hunger and fullness, if you look at the physiological component of those things, it's a signal that the hypothalamus in the brain controls to tell the body when to stop and when to start eating. We are all born with the ability to have this happen internally with no external cues. A baby knows when it's hungry and it knows when it's full and it stops and starts accordingly. However, things can actually go awry easily. And in my experience, there's there's three distinct areas of life 
that can provide some turmoil for people. So as I talk through this, I want you to think about if you've lost your hunger and fullness signal, where may have gone awry for you? What's your obstacle to gaining this back? One of the places hunger and fullness signals can stop or start or go awry, so to speak, is in early childhood. So if caregivers, parents, mothers, babysitters, nannies, feed in response to emotions for comfort, for anxiety, or potentially if caregivers take away food in response to emotions, um, or use food as a reward system, all of those things can can start to upset hunger and fullness signals. Uh, we also know that if food is used as a, as a threat in some way, such as, uh, you know, you need to clean your plate. I call it the clean your plate club. The clean your plate club is one of those things I've heard from clients forever. And it's one of the things I see as being one of the major obstacles for people to get their hunger and fullness back. It's, it's a training process that they may have gone through if their parents or a caregiver made them clean their plate and go past the point of fullness and didn't enable them to regulate themselves at a young age. Their body can't, in fact, stop as they get older because there's a training process that they went through in early childhood. It's one of the things I try and work if I'm working with a, a, a child who has an emotional eating pattern or compulsive overeating, I'm always working around that piece for parents to understand uh, the position of allowing each child to take responsibility for their hunger and fullness and eat in response to it so that their body can be trained to listen to the signals of hunger and fullness. Secondarily, I can also see hunger and fullness signals go awry in adolescence. One of the biggest things, um, I've worked with adolescents my entire career and love the adolescent population. One of the biggest things that happens for adolescents that starts to untrain their hunger and fullness signals is that they're not allowed to eat like an adolescent. And what I mean by that is uh, adolescents' brains develop differently during that time period of their life. All of ours did, mine did, um, and for whatever that meant for you, it meant for you. I know mine in an adolescent, uh, myself in an adolescent, went a little kaflui, right? So we know that the brain does different things. In that, as it changes during adolescence, we know that adolescents eat differently or should be eating differently in response to the hormonal and biochemical changes and their brain development changes that occur in adolescence. So what we know about that is that they don't get hungry until about 11 o'clock in the morning. They don't wake up until about 9 as a, according to their brain chemistry. Their hunger patterns don't start until about 11 o'clock. Conversely, they're ravenous about four, and then again about eight, which goes contrary to what most adult parameters around, right? Most adults wake up and they're hungry at six or seven in the morning and then eat lunch at 12 and then have a sensible meal at five. Adolescents, if you allow your adolescent to eat according to their hunger and fullness signals, you'll see the pattern that I, just, uh, that I just outlined for you. And if you allow them to eat in response to that, as they move into adult brainwave physiological and hormonal parameters, they will eat like an adult. But if you make that adolescent eat according to adult schedule, they will be out of their hunger and fullness alignment, and things can go awry when they get older.
Conversely, adults, uh, individuals, if you've been on diets multiple times, we know from chronic dieting that you can absolutely get a shift in hunger and fullness signals as you begin eating or, or you stop dieting. My hope in developing this plan is that as you go on the meal plan, you will start to regulate and listen to your hunger and fullness signal. So, you know, when we look at this, we, you know, people will just say things like, and, and when I first started in the profession 23 years ago, uh, Evelyn Tripoli was a, a dietitian that came out and, and started to work with this premise of intuitive eating. And so she would say things like, you know, eat when you're hungry and just stop when you're full and that will help you moderate your weight. And my clients would come in to me and say, if I, if I knew what hunger was, I would eat response to it. And, or what the heck is fullness? You know, it sounds so simple, but so many people struggle with putting the principle into practice. You know, why is overeating such a battle? And one of the main reasons is because people aren't tuned into their bodies. They lose this awareness of hunger and fullness. And they may lose their presence with their food. Being present with your food, um, you know, being mindful. We've talked a lot on these calls about being mindful, being present with your food. You know, that, that being present is important. Being tuned into your body is important. And you lose sensitivity to true stomach hunger if you're not present and tuned in. And you, and you can get it confused with a lot of other signals uh, and needs. So let's start by understanding a little bit more about stomach hunger. Now, you might say, well, Wendy, isn't that the only kind of hunger? And the truth of it is it's really not. And as you listen to, to the rest of this content, you'll hear the other kinds of hunger as I speak through these. But I want to start you with stomach hunger. Now, our stomachs are located right underneath our rib cage, about the size of our fist. And this is physical hunger. This involves a complex interaction between our digestive system, our endocrine system, and our brain, right? So when the body needs refueling, we start feeling tired and weak, our blood sugar drops slightly, we find it hard to concentrate, we get maybe a little agitated. The stomach, which is then, again, underneath the rib cage, I want everybody who's on the call and are listening to this on replay to really get a sense of where your stomach is. It's not in your lower quadrant of your abdomen. Abdomen, It's up underneath your rib cage. So what happens is that it'll start to ache and rumble. That's true stomach hunger. When we begin eating in response to this, we actually can enjoy the food and start feeling better. Our increase in energy will happen. The rumbling will go away, right? What we know is that if we ignore stomach hunger, if you don't feed your body when it needs food and when you get that rumbling stomach hunger, the physical symptoms will intensify, right? The stomach might start to really hurt. You might really feel like you can't concentrate. Um, you might experience lightheadedness. You might get irritable, short-tempered. Some people can get shaky and nervous. Other people might get a headache. Because you've become so ravenous at this point, once you do start to eat, you're really vulnerable to uncontrolled eating or binging. That is for everybody. And I really want everybody on this call to hear that. But so many clients over the years shame themselves horribly because they've overeaten. 
And when I've talked to them and just said, hey, so what did you eat earlier that day? We'll get to the overeating episode, but let's, let me hear about earlier in the day. What did you do? And they'll say, well, I just got really busy at work, and, you know, I didn't eat enough, blah, 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 and I let myself go all day long. And by the time I started to eat, I was just really, really, really hungry. And I'll say, well, that's not really compulsive overeating. That's not really diagnostic. That's hunger. And you just went overboard like all of us can do. And that's being human. So in response to that, what we can do is we can make sure that you're eating regularly throughout the day, which is one of the reasons why in the plan you see that there's regular intervals of eating because what we never wanted anybody to do was to have blood sugar cycles or spirals or too much hunger or too much fullness. So that's why things are laid out accordingly in our plan. Hunger and fullness is regulated by the hypothalamus in the brain, as I mentioned, and there's a lot of research coming out about the brain and hunger and fullness and satiety um, and reward system. When your body has had enough food to satisfy its needs, it's, the signals are sent to the hypothalamus. It registers fullness, also called satiety. And when we're in our tune with our bodies, we recognize then that it's time to stop eating. The stomach will feel comfortable, we won't feel stuffed, and we soon begin to feel calmer and more alert and energized. Now, as most people may have read, it takes about 20 minutes for fullness signals to transmit from the stomach back to the brain. So that's why if you're eating really fast, it doesn't register, right? And if you're not paying attention or you're distracted, then you can overeat too. There's two types of distractions that we've talked about, right? One is the physical distraction, right? So it could be you're using your cell phone, your computer, your iPad, your iPhone, um, and it could be an emotional distraction, like you want to numb out, or you're in the guilt or shame cycle. So knowing what you use as distraction is really, really important. So you can begin to be more mindful in your eating. Okay, so how do you know when you're overeating? When you're eating at a calm, relaxed pace, when you've eaten um, more than you physically need, you'll start to notice that those uh, hunger signals will go away. But what you'll all also notice is that you're mechanically taking bites and swallowing. You're not really enjoying the food anymore if you're present with it. You might start to feel pressure and discomfort in your stomach. You may even start to hurt or you might feel queasy. You may begin to feel numb emotionally and physically. And after a while, you start to feel sluggish. Some other people will know that they're going to begin overeating. And so it's not even about necessarily being in their body during that time. They know that it's going to happen. So Understanding your triggers or, or how you feel on the end of that is important to know. All right, so let's get to this because this is important. If you can't detect hunger or fullness signals in your body, I want you to start to understand what you can do about that. Assuming that you're not eating too hurriedly or with too many distractions, there are other reasons for having a difficult, uh, difficulty perceiving your internal body cues of hunger and fullness. So if you've been ignoring your hunger and fullness for a long time, you may have temporarily lost your physical sensitivity to this. So important to know that if it's been going on for years and years and years, 
you're just not as sensitized to this. Now, remember what I talked about with practice, right? So practice is important with this, and learning how to become more physically sensitive is extremely important. So it's often the outcome with frequent dieting, chronically restricting calorie intake, being raised to clean your plate, as I mentioned before, or struggling with a disordered eating pattern. So if this is the case for you, it's going to take some practice to make the change. Give yourself some grace in that. Sometimes there may be emotional reasons for a person being unable to access their hunger and fullness signals. So getting in touch with your body, for some people, can stir up painful emotions. Um, that's kind of a topic for another night. But if, if someone has been really uncomfortable in their body, they may not want to be in their body to feel their hunger or their fullness. And so that's a parameter to embark on around emotional journey. Lastly, in some cases, there may be some medical explanations for the problem with hunger and fullness. For instance, certain medications can actually thwart hunger and fullness. Specific diseases can change that. Depression can change that. Stress and pain can increase or decrease appetite for people. So there's lots of, lots of other reasons knowing if you are not in tune with your hunger and fullness signals, understanding what your obstacle is for that is extremely important. But what I want you to hear and to know is what are some false alarm signals that are often confused with stomach hunger? Because sometimes we make a mistake and we feel like there's other signals for this physical hunger. And they are legitimate sensations, but not true stomach hunger. So here are some examples, and I really want you to hear these so you can see if you identify with any one of these, because I've heard all of these over my career. One is teeth hunger, so your teeth in your mouth, T-E-E-T-H. So sometimes, especially if we're feeling stressed or irritated, we want to chew to get our stress frustrations out. Our bodies are not calling for food. They're calling for stress release or anxiety relief. But if you have teeth hunger, this can be an area of learning and growth for you. Mouth hunger. We might see or smell something that looks delicious. And so this is where somebody might crave the sensation of the chocolate in their mouth or the sensation of a certain food in their mouth. We desire the taste of the food but we really are not physically hungry. That's hungry. That mouth hunger can be associated with a reward system premise. There's a whole lot of research coming out about that right now, and um, that may actually be even a topic for a whole other night. But if you feel mouth hunger, you'll understand that because you'll crave a certain taste sensation in your mouth. Double check to see if it's in your stomach, if you're really hungry, or is it just in your mouth? Because I would consider that mouth hunger and not stomach hunger. Mind hunger. We look at the clock and we think we have to eat at a certain time of food because, quote, unquote, it's time. So even if we don't feel like eating, we want to stay on the clock. So notice if you are a mind-hungry person. Thirst. And a lot of people have heard this nowadays. We confuse the sluggishness of dehydration with actual hunger. The body may be calling for fluids and not food. So it's always great to take a check on that, to see if you're thirsty, to see if you're dehydrated. Fatigue, we know this. If, if people's energy levels drop and they're tired, they are more, are more likely to automatically think that they need to eat something to feel better, right? There's other ways to fight fatigue besides eating. You can go out and take a brisk walk. You can get some fresh air. 
you can take a five-minute cat nap just depending on what you need to do. We know fatigue and sleep patterns and eating are so interconnected, so understanding if that's your obstacle. Finally, we know that there's emotional hunger, right? If you feel an ache or an emptiness in our heart due to stress or, uh, you know, we have an unmet emotional need or spiritual need, rather than maybe acknowledge our feelings and work through the feeling, we might try to fill the void with food. That's true emotional hunger. Or sometimes we try to use the food to stuff our feelings down or numb them out. So although there can be a physical discomfort in the gut when we're upset, it's distinctly different sensation from stomach hunger. So understanding that piece. And as you move forward, you can see the simple design of physical hunger and fullness is often overshadowed by so many other body signals, habits, needs, and emotions. That's why I wanted to come to the call tonight talking about hunger and fullness, identifying and dealing with those issues, understanding what your obstacle is. Do you get hungry? Do you get full? At what point do you get hungry and full? One of the best things that you can do if you have an issue with this is to track your hunger and fullness throughout the day. Scale it on a scale of one to ten. Scale it before you eat. Scale it when you're done. Start to get in tune with your signals. And if you want to eat at other times, get a sense of what kind of hunger it is. Is it mouth hunger? Is it teeth hunger? Understand the distinct differences so that you can get what your obstacle and your solution is. While you're on the plan, you have an external kind of control factor with your hunger and fullness signals. And that's the best time because that can help you understand and contain your eating patterns but you can learn about your hunger and fullness because you can still track it. It's essentially the number one way you can actually attain long-term moderate food intake. It's essential to understand your hunger and your fullness pattern and when you're hungry and when you're full. So start just by tracking it around the times that you would be eating on your plan so you can start to, to understand your specific parameters around this and where your obstacles lie. And remember what Jim Rohn, who's a mentor of mine, he's passed away, but he so aptly quoted, take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. And hunger and fullness are essentially the primal essence of taking care of our body. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.